The place that's off limits to most of us was in the news this past week. The federal government announced it has granted a license for a new foot and mouth vaccine, a vaccine developed at the Plum Island Animal Disease Center. With correspondent John Miller, we get a rare inside look. Plum Island sits at the end of New York's Long Island like a question mark. For nearly 60 years, controversies and mysteries have engulfed it. And no wonder the island is controlled by the Department of Homeland Security. Its labs are staffed by scientists. Less than 100 miles from New York City is Plum Island Lab. Here, the U.S. government conducts top-secret biological experiments. Most Americans are unaware of the facility, but it has been linked to an Al-Qaeda plot and an alarming past tied to Nazi scientists. This is a vulnerable island. It needs to be looked at, and perhaps the facility moved. The government does plan to move the bioresearch lab to a new facility that would be built in Kansas, but the plan has been stalled. In so many ways, this is not a facility that folks in this densely populated part of America should be forced to live next to. For now, Plum Island will remain open indefinitely. The danger of exposure to locals remains unchanged. Welcome, everybody, to NWCZRadio.com, Channel 1's Down the Rabbit Hole. My name is Big D. And I'm Brandon. And we're back together. I missed you. I missed you, too. You know, I listened. We're doing it without you. I listened to the episodes that you did. I enjoyed them. And I I look forward to hearing your review or follow-up, because I understand you now have the Corey Feldman book. I do. I've got to sit down and read it. Um, I'm hoping to have some time. When the house is finished someday, but <laughs> so I, I do plan to sit down and read it. Um, like I said, it, it sold so well that I bought it. You know, ten years after it was made, and I've got a first run. Well, you know, get it autographed, and it's a collector's edition. I mean, you know, you never know. I mean, I have a couple in my other collection that are first runs, but they're from authors that people wanted to read. So, <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, I, I'm saying that, but I mean, it might end up being a great book. I mean, it's one of those things that it's. Going through the article, you know, the researching him, what was done to him and Corey Haim and all of them is horrible. All yep, it. it was a good episode. And if you haven't heard it, go back and listen to it. Brandon yes. did Feldman and uh, Brittany, Brittany Murphy. Yes, Brittany Murphy, which is that one still. There's so many things researching that that I, I'd heard like kind of what happened. But then once you research it, there's like, I think there's more to this. It seemed it's like just, it. I mean, listening to your show, weird. it seemed like there were some holes in there that needed to be filled. Yeah. Yeah. But definitely. want to definitely. remind you that you can reach out to us at downtherh at protonmail.com, downtherh at protonmail.com. And this week, we're getting into a subject that, frankly, I was not very familiar with. In fact, 
I had heard it in passing, but I didn't really know what it was or what it was about. I I had heard of one piece of this. I'd heard of the monster, but that was it. But I'd only heard of that in reference to when we did, you know, Montauk. Is the only time I'd ever heard a reference of the monster. And they may have mentioned Plum Island there, and I just never didn't, never remembered it. Right. I don't remember it either, but doing some other research on a different topic, I ran across this Plum Island, and mm-hmm. it has opened up an entire can of worms. I think, especially those of you who believe, and rightfully so, I think, that COVID came out of a lab where they were testing animals and they were creating diseases and then trying to create the cure for the diseases and something escaped and Mm -hmm. that all happened in Wuhan well hold on because I think a lot of people know that there are some labs in like Galveston Texas for instance there's some labs Mm -hmm. around the country but Plum Island is its own special place it is and it really makes me think of, I mean, because I, everyone knows, I mean, I'm a huge Stephen King fan. I love Stephen King. I've read all of his books. Um, the Stand. Like, going through this and, like, you know, reading about it, you know, going through the the, the book, you know, Lab 257 and all of that and, and just thinking of The Stand. That's how Captain Trips got out in The Stand was someone just accidentally got infected while they're in the, you know, and walked out of the walked out of the lab he may have gotten that by researching this place he may have because i mean the whole time they were talking about it, i'm like that's exactly this is the stand yeah so if you're not yeah. familiar with it there is an island off the coast of new york it is federal property very few can ever get onto it if you're a journalist you have to apply well in advance you have to be screened you have to agree to all certain terms of conditions and we'll get into all that stuff later in the show but it's this they call it a pork chop style island because it kind of looks like a pork chop just it does out in the on the east coast right off of new york and it's a standalone island and it has been run by the department of homeland security Directorate for Science and Technology, and in partnership with the U.S. Department of Agriculture, USDA. When the USDA had control of it for the longest period of time, we really Homeland's only had it since about what two thousand two or three, I think. Yeah, when there was Homeland's when there were some problems going on. Well, yeah. Well, there was problems, and you know there was another thing that happened in two thousand one where Homeland like, kind of took took everything. Right. So. <laughs> right. So this, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, you're obviously listening to the wrong podcast. So, <laughs> yeah, go look, go look it up. Yeah, look what happened on 2001, where Homeland suddenly got a lot of control. This Plum Island was set up basically in 1954, according to their website and several others. It's the only facility in the country authorized, which I think is a very important word there, authorized to work with live foot and mouth disease, FMD samples, and specializes in the study of FMD and African swine fever. Yeah. But uh, the only reason they were authorized is because they were not on the mainland. 
That was your one of the original caveats was to be able to do this. They didn't want it on the mainland, so there was less of a chance of contamination getting out because they could control an island a lot better, a lot easier, supposedly. Right. So at the height of the Cold War, study of biological weapons for the use against livestock was conducted at Plum Island. And that ended in 1969 when President Nixon declared an end to the United States, quote, offensive bioweapons program. Supposedly the end. Yeah, yeah. According to this article today, the facility maintains laboratories up to biosafety level three and has remained controversial as a result result of its high-risk work and proximity to the New York metropolitan area. And that is true. Now, what you also need to know about this island is it's being shut down. And they're moving this entire lab facilities and everybody with it to Manhattan, Kansas, sometime this year. I think they're a little off schedule, but that was the original plan. And if you live anywhere anywhere near Manhattan, Kansas, you need to know this and you need to know all of this now because they obviously don't care about y'all. Like I said, I'm not a big fan of Kansas, but... hmm. I think it's strategic because if you look at Manhattan, Kansas, it's in basically the heart of the heartland. And so if something got out there, they don't care about uh, they the, the coast, the elite coast have plenty of time to adjust while it makes its way through the heartland. And through yeah. the south and through all of that, I, that's my opinion. Yeah. So what is this? Island. Well, it was um, purchased by the government during the Spanish-American War, and it was deactivated. Then after World War II, it was reactivated in 1952 for the Army Chemical Corps. On now, this, question, could you, were you able to find who they bought it from? I, never. Okay. I don't know who, the, uh, was it Canada? I don't know. That was the big question that I, I kept looking and I kept seeing that being said that they bought it. But I could not find one single place where it says, oh, they bought it from. Maybe from Spain because it says it was during the Spanish-American War, but I didn't think Spain was up that far. I didn't think so either. So, I, yeah, that's a good question. I, I couldn't find the answer to that. I'd say I was just trying to figure out because, like I said, I couldn't. I kept trying to, and I'm like, um. On this island, they have 70 buildings, and according to their own website, a lot of them are dilapidated, they're old, and and or they're shut down. It has its own fire department, its own power plant, its own water treatment plant, and its own security. Any wild mammal seen on the island is killed to prevent the possible transmission of foot and mouth disease, according to them. According to them, yes. And the thing what a lot of people don't realize is I think they're four miles off, but deer can swim that far. And deer get on there quite a bit. Yes. Which is when we get into the one big disease that is attributed to escaping 
they believe it came from either the deer or the birds that would because it's a bird sanctuary as well yeah which is really strange because they're going to kill all the mammals but all the birds can fly in and out <laughs> they don't care uh yeah so there was a uh disease outbreak in mexico and canada in 1954 this is according to them by the way all of this is their narrative and, and that was one thing i will say on a lot of this a lot of this is their narrative because trying to find any other narrative has kind of disappears. Yeah, it's been shut down quite effectively, with the exception of there's a book out there, which I don't recommend. That book is called Lab 257. Yeah. And I've actually I've been listening to that while I drive. And it's, yeah, it, there's a lot. He goes on a lot of tangents. But there's some good information in there, but there's a lot you got to watch because he's very, very big about going off on a tangent and then being like, wouldn't it have sucked if this happened? You're like, what? Yeah. Yeah. It's written by Michael Christopher Carroll. I mean, oddly enough, though, Mario Cuomo, former governor of New York, endorsed the book. Because a lot of people, a lot of politicians in New York were scared of this island. And what was going on out there? Anyway, back to their narrative. They basically operated under the radar in super secrecy until 1992. So from 54 to 92, no press, no TV crews, nobody from the outside was allowed onto this island. In 1995, the Department of Agriculture was issued a $111,000 fine for storing, quote, hazardous chemicals on the island, which they denied the entire time. They still to this day deny that there's anything hazardous outside of, you know, some uh, hoof and mouth and a few other diseases that they claim to be working on. Yeah. Because that was one thing I couldn't find either. Anything that said what they actually had. There's what they say. They're like, I think it's six that they admit to. Yes. But there's plenty of plenty of people believe that, the, that there's a lot more. So according to records, local Long Island activists prevented the center from expanding to include diseases that affect humans in the year 2000, which would require a biosafety level for a lot of people believe they have been doing that from the beginning and they got caught and they then therefore needed to make it public and needed to go through the proper channels and the u.s congress considered it but they nixed it officially yeah that's what they say we know how that goes Wall Street Journal reported in January 2002 that many scientists and government officials wanted the lab to close, believing that the threat of foot and mouth disease was so remote that the center did not merit its $16.5 million annual budget. There's no way in the world that on that little island, the only thing they were doing was studying hoof and mouth disease. All day, every day, for $16.5 million annual budget. It's impossible. It is, I agree. 
but what a lot of one of the things that I was in the book and I, I saw it a couple other places, but who knows if they were, uh, you know, referencing the book when they said it. Um, a lot of people think part of that was because of how expensive the the scientists that a lot of that money went to the scientists so that their budget that their like salaries were somewhere in the eight or nine million dollar range, like not each, but everybody together. But again. But still, I mean, that's a lot of money if they're only doing those couple things. Yeah, I mean, it, none of it makes sense. None, no. none of it adds up, as they say. Okay, so I want to just describe a little bit before we get into, I would say, the mystery and the theories of this island. I, got, I found a really great article by a reporter, and this is from January 30th, 2015. And he talks about going on to the island. He was one of the people they allowed on. So I'm not going to read the whole article. If you want it, just request through email and I'll send it to you. But he says that uh, as they, because you have to take a ferry over. They have their own ferry docking launch, but the only people allowed on under super secret scrutiny are the employees of the island. That's it. Yeah. So it says, uh, as the ferry approaches the island shore, it's greeted by a large sign announcing U.S. property, no trespassing. Group of buildings are visible on the northwest side of the island, and for decades, rumors have circulated about what the U.S. government is doing there. Official version is the U.S. Department of Agriculture operates the Plum Island Animal Disease Center to uh, protect the country's livestock population from devastating foreign disease. In October of 2014, I had the opportunity to visit the island. Our group began the trip to Plum Island at this marina in Connecticut. They caught the ferry. They get over. He says, security on Plum Island is extremely tight, and all visitors must be screened prior to the visit by the Department of Homeland Security. As a reminder of the fact that Plum Island is a secure government facility, we were accompanied throughout our visit by armed security guards. The public affairs officer explained that while photography is permitted in certain areas, we were not to take pictures of the security guards, their vehicles, or the ferry landing area. We could bring some fruit with us as a snack, but if we didn't eat it while on the island, they had to leave it there when they left. It says also while we could visit the administrative building and some of the older historic structures on the island, the animals testing labs we're not part of the tour. And then he goes on in details about wandering around this island. Uh, he says there's one person who's buried on this island. It's Colonel Thomas Gardner. He died of yellow fever. Nobody really knows much else about it. Although he says Colonel Gardner apparently was not too pleased to have been left alone on the island, his ghost is said to haunt the Plum Island light built in 1869 it's a lighthouse hmm. but and it's one of those things he's one that was that it's yeah he's been there since like before the facility was even built yes so i mean he, he wasn't someone that died at the facility and it was built it was you know buried there he the the, the facility was built around him basically right. and, and speaking of dead bodies there are at least two incidences of dead bodies that are associated with Plum Island. And one of them's been basically wiped clean. 
And yeah. that is the one where there was a mysterious body that showed up, a body that had washed up on Plum Island on a boat. And it was handed over to Suffolk County police and the detectives determined that there was, quote, no foul play involved. Now, from what I understand and the things that I read about this, and this is the most recent one, I think this was 6 2023 is when this was. Yeah, so this was this year. Yeah. Apparently what happened, unconfirmed, but this is what I've read from multiple people who knew this person, who knew what he was going to do. This individual boated over to Plum Island, wanted to see what was going on, hopped off, was running around the facility. Security figured out he wasn't supposed to be there. You know, they were chasing him. He ran off the island, got in the boat, and was boating back across when he died, and the boat washed back onto Plum Island. Yeah. There's also an incident that happened. But how did he die? Well, apparently there was no foul play. Yeah, of course not. Yeah. So the second death of a human associated with the island Washed up on Plum Island. Mm-hmm. And do you remember? Do you have the year on that? This was 2010, January. The article I'm reading is from January 15th, and they said it was the Thursday before. So, 2010. So in 2010, in January 2010. Well, and the weird thing about this body was, they had they, there were pictures of it. They're they're yeah. long gone. I don't even. I haven't even seen them. But I've I read, couldn't find them. I, no, you can't. Well, I mean, maybe somebody has them somewhere, but they're not on the Internet. They're not readily available. I tried every avenue possible to get them. I I couldn't find it. However, this individual, and they deny that he had anything to do with Plum Island, denied that this person had ever been on Plum Island. The person actually remains a mystery. I don't think anybody's ever claimed who the individual is. But he was pretty messed up. He had, like, he had unusually long fingers. His face was distorted. He had all kind of weird lesions and so forth on his body. Well, and they say part of that was because he was partially decomposed. But from a lot of things that I've read, other people that have, you know, the original stories and everything say that it went beyond the body de- being decomposed. That that's what the story that they used later. They're like, oh, the reason why people thought they saw this stuff was because it was the decomposed body and it had been in the water. Well, that brings us to the Montauk monster. Yeah. Which is like I said, the only thing I had ever heard of, you know, in this whole story was Montauk monster. Right. And so when we did our show on Montauk, if you go back and listen to that. A lot of weird things were going on on Montauk. There yes. were government programs. They were doing all kind of cra- They had tunnels and doing experiments, and Montauk was a problem. So when this animal or this creature washed up onto the shores of Montauk, New York, in July 2008, everyone assumed it had to do with what they were doing at Montauk. However, 
it wasn't very long and people were saying this has nothing to do with what's going on at Montauk because Montauk was all mind control and mind experiments and travel in time experiments and it had nothing to do with animals. It had nothing to do with any kind of radiation or altering of body parts or any of that stuff. Yeah. And this does have a photo. There is a photo of this animal. Mm-hmm. And you can just Google it up, Montauk, M-O-N-T-A-U-K, Montauk Monster. You can see a photo of this thing. And here's where it gets weird with this thing. There was a um, popular surfing spot called the Rheinstein Estate Park, owned by the town of East Hampton. And a gal named Jenna Hewitt, And her three friends are the ones who found this creature. And she said, we were looking for a place to sit. When we saw people looking at something, we didn't know what it was. We joked that maybe it was something from Plum Island. And it was just a passing comment. Because the locals were all suspicious about what was going on out there at Plum Island. Now, if you see the picture of this thing, and I'm, I'm encouraging you to go... Take a look at it so you'll know look it up. what we're talking about. Here are the official and the authorities. These are what they came up with as to the explanation for this creature. The most common one that you hear is that it's a raccoon. Mm-hmm. And that it was washed away in the ocean. It was pushed around and it lost all its hair and it got, you know, bashed up against rocks, which took away its usual raccoon snout. Yeah. Then which made it made it look like a beak. Right. But in my opinion, the legs are way too long for raccoons. The face doesn't look anything like a raccoon. No. And this thing doesn't, I mean, it's not a lie, but you can see how it would move, and it doesn't appear that it would move like a raccoon. No. Others believe that it might be a sea turtle, which I, I'm like, what are they looking at? <laughs> sea, sea turtles turtle out of its shell. Uh, that's no. what that's what some people are guessing. It's like, well, sea turtles don't but, have fur because it just still has a remnant of fur on it. And, and and a sea turtle, if you removed its shell, it would it would literally like rip off. Right, and they don't have teeth either. Yeah. Another guess or explanation is that it's a rodent. And if that's a rodent, then it definitely was modified on some level. Yeah. I mean, it's ma- It's huge. Others believe it may be a dog or a, some other canine, such as a coyote. However, if you're just looking at it, the feet, don't match a dog. The, uh, maybe the back end of it kind of looks like a dog with the tail. But the front end of it, there's no way. And that head, and I, this, I don't see it. You, you're probably about to go to the last one. The last one was the, the Viking funeral. No, the one other animal no. that they guessed on was it was either a sheep or some other ovine. Hmm. People who are obviously uh, calling this out, said the face looks somewhat ovine, but sheep do not have sharp teeth. And this thing has razor sharp teeth. Yeah. 
Yeah, I did not hear about the Viking funeral. Supposedly, there was some college kids, of course, college kids, um, who found a dead raccoon, put it in a on a, a, a floaty duck, and like covered it in like gasoline, lit it on fire, and let it float away like a Viking funeral. So some people think that that's why it's so disfigured and everything else because it's burned. It's a burn victim at that point and the melted plastic and everything else, um, which, yeah, I mean, the, the comment they make is the creature was honored with a Viking funeral, not merely explored for crafts and entertainment, they said. And to interest of full disclosure, this did happen shortly after a wadding boarding endurance competition and just before a clothespin on your genitals challenge. <laughs> so <laughs> so the, these were definitely some college kids having a little bit of drunken fun. But, I mean, I, I, I don't think... There's nothing on there that looks like a burnt, like it was burnt. Right, and that's that would be my point. And even a zoologist, Darren Nace, who studied the photograph, concluded from the corpse's visible dentition, skull shape, and front paws, he concluded that, that the creature was a raccoon. He says, with its extremely odd appearance, merely a byproduct of decomposition, and water action removing most of the animal's hair and some of its flesh. So Nash disagreed with the idea that the legs were disproportionately long for a raccoon, providing an illustration of a raccoon's body superimposed over the corpse of the photograph. Also, Jeff Corwin identified the carcass as that of a raccoon in a Fox News interview. Now, I don't know what this thing is. I don't. I'm not going to pretend to. I have lots of raccoons where I live. And when I lived up in Washington State, they're everywhere up there. Yeah. I've never seen a raccoon look like this ever. No. The paws don't match. They don't have the super long tail this thing has. The skull doesn't match, even if it's been washed around. None of it screams raccoon at all to me. No, none of it makes sense to me. I mean, it's one of those things they say, oh, this is a... No, there's nothing in that screams raccoon. What it screams to me is this is something that we've never seen before, that this is something that escaped from a lab that was doing genetic testing, which everyone's like, oh, they would have not done genetic testing there. They've, it's proven. It's, they're one of the first ones to splice DNA and genes to make vaccines. It's not a big jump from splicing DNA for, for vaccines make a new animal right and with that budget and the super secrecy going around and nobody allowed to visit or to question it or reporters on there or anything look i mean it was so bad that 2004 there were two major incidences new york senator at the time hillary clinton and congressman tim bishop wrote a letter to the Department of Homeland Security regarding their concerns about the center's safety, saying, quote, we urge you to immediately investigate these alarming breaches at the highest levels and to keep us appraised of all developments. And as far as I could find out, looking it up, trying to look through any kind of response or any sort of follow-up, I found none. According to even Wikipedia, they say Plum Island has experienced outbreaks of its own, including one in 1978, which the, 
the disease was released to animals outside the center, and two incidences in 2004 in which foot and mouth disease was released within the center. Yeah. And the way they fixed it was they burned everything. Burned it all down. Yes. And that's also when that happened, when they realized how many safety, and as a safety guy, this is the part that drove me nuts listening to it, um, the negative pressure wasn't being kept like it was supposed to, uh, to keep things from getting out, which, I mean, if you do demolition and stuff like that, like I did for years and stuff like that with demolition to keep asbestos from getting out, you need negative you know, pressure so that the, the fibers don't get out. Same thing with viruses, huge gaps in the filters, stuff like that. So it was supposed to be completely contained, but there's a lot of mistakes when all of a sudden they had this outbreak and Congress started saying, okay, we need to investigate. And then they're like, oh, there's huge gaps, huge mistakes, and huge things. It was not the safest lab in the world, like they kept telling everybody. No, no. In fact, the reason they fought from going from BS level three to BS level four, because BS level four, that you have to basically, you've seen it, the labs where they're dressed up like they're on the moon. Yeah. They get decontaminated. They put on full suits. They have the helmets. And like no part of any human anatomy is to be exposed to any of this. But in the BS3 level, you can. You say, well, what's so important about that? Well, let's talk about why this was all going on and why we believe it actually was going on. Because if you listen to our episode on Operation Paperclip, this comes into play right here. Operation Paperclip, it's a fact. This is not a theory. This is not guessing. This is not a myth. At post-World War II, the U.S. rushed in grabbed as many of the Nazi doctors and scientists and everything as they could, snuck them over here, didn't tell the American people, and put them in places of service for the U.S. government. And these were doctors, scientists, chemists, freaks, mm -hmm. freaks who had committed atrocities. U.S. and... and Russia didn't want the other having it, so they made deals. Yeah. So I think you, if you go back and you listen to our episode, you know that one of them basically ran NASA. Mm -hmm. And there are some people who are known to have gone here, there, or into other avenues. One of them ended up here at Plum Island. And his name was Dr. Eric Traub. And he was one of the founding fathers of a biological warfare laboratory. He worked for the Nazis, reported directly to Heinrich Himmler in the area of biological warfare. And he... Yeah, Heinrich, Himmler, Heinrich Himmler wasn't that important. <laughs> so under the guise of him coming to the U.S., they put him out on Plum Island. He was supposed to start this um, research 
on diseases that could be a threat to domestic animals such as cattle, horses, sheep, and chickens, etc. However, he said the dividing line between research to protect domestic livestock and to disable the same of an enemy is blurry at best. To me, here's the weird thing. Everybody knows that this Eric Traub, he ended up there. He was the founding father of this laboratory on Plum Island. Mm-hmm. And that's about all you know. Yeah. Everything else is super secret. Everything else is classified. Everything else is hidden. And oh, by the way, we were only working on foot and mouth disease. That's it. Just the one thing. Yeah. Just the one thing. Does any of this make sense at all? No. One of the other big problems with this Plum Island, and this is a matter of much debate, and you'll just have to figure out what side you lie on when we present this, but if you've ever heard of Lyme disease, L-Y-M-E, Lyme disease. And and it's not from eating too much lime like I thought. (laughs) We were talking before, I, I just thought it was the, you know, opposite of you know, scurvy. (laughs) So, yeah, so Lyme disease is is an an actual thing. A lot of Mm -hmm. certain parts of the country, if you live in heavily wooded area and there are ticks and chiggers or any kind of small little bugs, deer ticks or whatever, people will tell you, hey, watch out. Don't let them get on you because they may be carrying Lyme disease. And Lyme disease is pretty brutal if you get it and it's one of those things and and i i taught first aid for years um i still do occasionally um with that if we were always told people if you get bit by a tick keep the tick you know put it in like a little jar or freaking something because if you start feeling sick it's actually easier to test the tick for lyme disease than it is you and this is definitely you will find this under the category of conspiracy theory yes when, when you look up lyme disease and plum island and operation paperclip this idea of the lyme disease is categorized as a conspiracy theory which i find interesting to say the least because that's always yes. the way they throw you off track So Lyme disease first was documented in nearby Lyme, Connecticut, which is why it is called Lyme disease. So if you didn't learn anything else on this podcast, if you didn't know that, it's L-Y-M-E. It's a town in Connecticut. Yeah. And that that was one of the fun things. When I was first in L.A. Sunday, we're like, oh, yeah, in Lyme, Connecticut. And I'm like, oh, that explains so much of why it's called Lyme disease. And there are several accounts of the first few people who got this Lyme disease and it was awful. You read what they went through. You read how horrible it was and nobody had ever heard of it before. So it was getting misdiagnosed. Nobody knew what it was. It just showed up one day. Well, the the hard part is with Lyme disease, one of the hardest parts of like diagnosing it, it presents itself as like six other diseases. Which kind of goes to the theory that it was created. Yeah. 
because if it's impossible or you know very hard to treat somebody with it because it's masking itself and it's showing itself as multiple outlets, if you're mistreating it, it's just going to get worse. And the theory is, is that it, it was originally conceived as a biological weapon in the Plum Island Laboratory. Well, and part of it, too, is it's also, um, what's the guy's name? The, the guy you just mentioned, Tob, or whatever, the, 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 the Nazi scientist. What they were working on, many people, like what they've been able to find, what they were possibly working on in Germany was how to infect people using bugs. Yes, in many ways, ticks and mosquitoes. Hmm, sound familiar? Sounds like Bill Gates is uh, taking up that mantle. Yeah, you know, agricultural. Which, I mean, that's the whole thing on this. This is a huge USDA agricultural thing that they're supposedly be trying, be able, trying to find the diseases that are killing the cattle and all that stuff and the agricultural. But how do you find, how, how do you cure the diseases if you don't make them? Well, and to go along with that, there was a American-educated Pakistani neuroscientist, and I'm not going to pretend I can pronounce his name, but he was a suspected Al-Qaeda member, and he was captured in Afghanistan in July 2008. Or she was. It's a she. She had in her handbag handwritten notes referring to a, quote, mass casualty attack that listed various U.S. locations, including the Plum Island Animal Disease Center. Mm -hmm. February 2010, she was convicted of assault with a deadly weapon and attempting to kill U.S. service members and FBI agents who sought to interrogate her. So it makes you wonder, why would they be so interested in a place that's just working on foot and mouth disease? doesn't seem to be adding up there not one bit there's also the question of the buildings so there's multiple buildings on this and like i said this reporter who went over there and there's several reporters who have visited the island who have reported basically the same thing it's a very specialized guided tour you're guided by people with guns they mm-hmm. you can only take pictures in certain places they give you this long detailed narrative story about what they've done out there what they do out there and on and on and on and then you're shipped off and that's it that it's very controlled but there's all these buildings around there some of them have been shuttered and some of them have just been boarded up and this is of concern to a lot of people because when they close this island down nobody really knows for sure what's in these buildings So let's look at building 257. This is at Fort Terry on Plum Island. It was completed around 1911. The original purpose of the building was to store weapons such as mines, and the structure was designated as the Combined Torpedo Storehouse and Cable Tanks Building. And it went through a period of activations and deactivations through World War II until the U.S. Army Chemical Corps took over the facility to use it as anti-animal biological warfare research. 
The Chemical Corps planned a laboratory for the fort to be housed in Building 257. The conversion of Fort Terry to this facility required the remodeling of the building and other structures. Here's the problem. Nobody knows what's in there. It's not in yeah. any of their records. They never report on it. Nobody's ever, from the outside, has been allowed to visit it. And there it sits. Yeah. So that is of concern. According to another article, a modernization program in 1977 aimed to update, <laughs> update this building, 257 and Building 101, which we'll, we'll get to next. But the program was canceled in 1979 because of construction contract irregularities. Yeah. The Plum Island facilities were essentially unchanged. Read that again. Unchanged until a new modernization began in 1990. Two-thirds of the laboratory facilities inside Building 101 were renovated and operations in Building 257 were consolidated into the Building 101. Building 257 was closed in 1995 and according to the Department of Homeland Security spokesperson, posed no health hazard. Of course not. None of that makes logical sense. Zero. Uh, yeah. No, not at all. So what is Building 101? Well, Building 101 is situated on the island's northwest plateau on a 10-acre site. The construction on this 101 began around July 1st, 1954. And then following the transfer, the facilities on Plum Island became known as the Animal Disease Center. Building 101 Laboratory Facility was dedicated September 26, 1956. This is interesting here. Prior to the building's opening, the area around it was sprayed with chemicals to deter insect or animal life from approaching the facility. Hmm. Research on biological weapons in this building did not cease until, quote, the entire program was canceled in 1969 by Richard Nixon. However, in 1977... They updated Building 101 and shuttered. They basically consolidated 257 and 101. That program was canceled in 79 because of the irregularities. Two-thirds of the laboratory facilities inside 101 were renovated and operations from 257 were brought in. And again, no big deal. It, po it poses no health hazards. Of course not. So, so what you have is Frankenlab. Yeah. You have a Frankenlab where they are, hey, look, I mean, we could guess for hours as to what actually is going on out there. We don't officially know. If you read this book, Lab 257, The Disturbing Story of the Government's Secret Plum Island Germ Laboratory, he gives a lot of so-called eyewitness accounts. He's talked to people who worked there, supposedly. Whistleblowers, supposedly. And gives a lot of weird stories about freak of nature animals, about them, the early stages of gene editing 
and cell splitting and mm-hmm. also creating basically biological weapons used, like you said, through insects and other things. And in fact, with the Lyme disease, the way they believe the Lyme disease escaped was through the deer that you mentioned way back earlier, that the deer swam over to the island, deer tick infected with this Lyme disease, hopped on them. They swam back over to Connecticut where they, the ticks hopped off and then found a new host. Yeah. Now, what they will tell you on the Lyme disease is, which I find fascinating because that this doesn't make sense either. So they will say officially that archive specimens show that Lyme disease was endemic well before the establishment of Plum Island Laboratory. And according officially, Lyme disease was never a topic of research at Plum Island, according to who? The U.S. Department of Homeland Security and the Department of Agriculture. Now, I looked into that. I could find no proof, no evidence. It, maybe it's there. I'm not saying it's not. I couldn't find it of this supposed archive specimens showing that Lyme disease was endemic or, or even a thing before these people started coming up with it and it was well past the Plum Island being established and all the nonsense going on out there. Yeah, and that was one of the things that I kept, they kept saying, oh yeah, no, this was long, this was an endemic before, it had happened before, but then every time I went back, I'm like, where? And nothing I could find ever showed where. Yes, because even if you go to any WebMD or any place that discusses Lyme disease, history of Lyme disease, and so forth. The only thing I've ever really found is that one study, one, they don't refer to what the study is, has found that prior to the reforestation that accompanied post-colonial farm abandonment in New England, and the wholesale migration into the Midwest that occurred during the early 19th century, Lyme disease was present for thousands of years in America and had spread along with its tick hosts from Northeast to Midwest. Uh, According to them, this is uh, part of the proof. Somebody named John Jocelyn, who visited New England in 1638, and again from 1663 to 1670, wrote, quote, there be infinite number of ticks hanging upon the bushes in summertime that will cleave to man's garments and creep into his breeches, eating themselves in a short time to the very flesh of the man. I have seen the stockings of those that have gone through the woods covered with them. All that says is there were ticks. Yeah, that's what ticks do. And th- that's what I found. All their proof is, is like, well, there's been ticks since the dawn of time. So there had to have been Lyme disease, but there's no cases. Like, there's no singular case that you can point back to and say, this was the first case of Lyme disease. In fact, the one that you can point back to points back to the fact that it came from Plum Island because the timeline matches, what they were working on matches, where they got it matches, it all matches up. Yeah. So I think it was a biological weapon that they were working on and maybe it didn't even get to its fruition because it's certainly not super deadly. I mean, you have to be you know, pretty dumb to die of Lyme disease, but 
it can cause some major pain. And if you unleashed it on an army, it would it would certainly keep them from doing what they needed to do. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it may not like kill you, but it'll it messes with you for years. And it's a horrible, a horrible disease to get. But I mean, it's yeah. Yeah. And so, maybe it was just the first phases of what they were trying to do. Maybe they just hadn't gotten as far as they wanted to get with it. Yeah, and that will that we will never know. That yeah. aspect of things, I don't think we'll ever get a conclusion on. And in my opinion, the reason they're shutting this all down. I mean, they were starting this process years ago. I think they started announcing this almost 15 20 years ago that they were going to move this this facility yeah and supposedly happen is going to happen this year but nobody knows if it's actually going to happen and yeah. uh, the theory is is that they are having to scrub wash decontaminate bury disappear hide get rid of however you want to put it all the records all the things they're working on because when they move this lab, they're essentially just going to move equipment. And uh, the only way they're going to do it, they're going to have to burn this place down. That's interesting. You say that because that is one of the things that they're considering is burning it all down. Basically the entire Island, burning it all down, letting it sit kind of like, have you ever seen them dig up gas tanks at a gas station when they're, you know, they're switching it over to a different business. No, I haven't seen it, but I know it's so. Yeah, yeah they'll do a, they'll dig up the gas tanks, they'll do a soil sample, and if there's still too much gas or whatever, they'll let it sit sometimes for years, taking samples, and they'll dig it up, take it away, put new stuff in, test it, test it, and when it finally tests okay, whatever the new business is, they can start building there. Yeah, that's what they're talking about doing with this place. They're talking about burning it down to the ground. They're not going to allow anybody to move over to it. They're going to guard it. They're not going to sell it to anybody. Everyone is to stay away from it until they deem it okay. And now the big, you know, the big theory is they're going to sell it to whatever rich people that they're going to go out and live on their own island. Who I don't care. Who cares? Yeah. I don't care who buys it or who who moves out there. But it's years away from anybody being able to inhabit this. By their own admission. Oh, yeah. Years. I mean, the fact, not, the fact that they had to go around and they sprayed all around these buildings. And it, it look, it wasn't off or raid. What they were spraying out there was akin to major poison to kill everything. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't just to kill the bugs. It was to kill everything. Which is why a lot of people are concerned that it's also deemed a, quote, bird sanctuary because the birds can come and go as they please. So they land in the trees, they wander around in the grass, they're susceptible to all this stuff, and then they fly away. Yeah. And in fact, one of the theories and one of the things I saw was a graph as to how Lyme disease spread. And interestingly enough, it's the same migratory pattern as many of the birds that land on Plum Island. Which also coincides, you know, with the deer taking it over, birds getting it and flying off because all of a sudden it just it was popping up in this certain graph. And as you looked at it from an overall map, it didn't make sense at all. Like, how could this happen? Because it was up in Canada 
it was you know swooping down through the northeast and then down into connecticut it's like this doesn't make any sense it doesn't make sense until you suddenly look at the migrate migratory patterns yes and then all of a sudden it's like oh it got on the birds so again i don't recommend i mean if you want to read this book there are some interesting things in it lab 257 the disturbing yeah. story of the government's secret germ laboratory it's by michael christopher carroll i can't say i recommend it because it's 322 pages it could have been 150 and i i think that's giving more than that deserves it probably should have even been less than that i mean he just goes off on major rabbit trails he's really into his own flowery language his descriptions of everything and a lot of times he and i hate when people do this He's presenting something to you as if this is a factual event. Mm -hmm. Like this is what happened. And then at the very end, he pulls the rug out and he says, according to unnamed sources or uh, somebody I talked to, I tracked them down. They supposedly work there, but they don't want to say their name or they wouldn't even show their ID. This was re referred to by somebody I knew or somebody I met on the street. You know, it's just like, ah, I'm not or one of the ones that he did. The other ones he did, he's like, oh, and this happened and this. And you're getting like, you're even listening to it and you're like, you know, some of that, how, how would you know? That, that seems to get a little bit like, there was four mosquitoes and this. And you're like, and then he's like, wouldn't this have been scary if it really happened? And I'm like, you son of a bitch. Yeah. So <laughs> I think there are some truths in there, but uh, it's yeah. been pretty well poo-pooed by, and rightfully so, I would say, by a lot of yeah. the people who work on the island and the feds and everything. However, again, sometimes we talk about how they plant people or they have somebody go off the rails. And then when you bring up Plum Island, they're like, oh, you mean like that book? Yeah, yeah that's all been debunked. So now you're, oh, now you're getting over into the, the disturbing story of the government's secret germ laboratory territory. Yeah. And so you're, you're discredited immediately. And like we said, they do that on purpose. Um, you know, many people know that I firmly believe that that's what Alex Jones' entire job was. Well, and I to think discredit on, the rest of us. I think on this, where there's smoke, there's fire. There's a lot of smoke here. You have paperclip involved. You have an ex-Nazi who was under the direct supervision of Heimlich Himmler, linked up with Montauk. And you have all these things going on over there. People in the area are frightened of this island. Everyone's mm -hmm. suspicious of this place. And not just because it's a super secret island. It's because they can tell something's off, something's wrong. There are yeah. all kind of weird things that come out of this place that show up on the beaches. They hear strange noises from this island. Nobody's allowed to talk. It's heavily guarded and on and on and on, which does, of course, lend to conspiracy theories. However, it also lends to a lot of facts. Mm -hmm. So if you're in Manhattan, Kansas, this is coming your way. That's where they're moving to. Yeah. And if you live over there by Plum Island, I wouldn't go near it at all. I wouldn't boat around it. I wouldn't get onto it even when they burn it down even when they it's been sitting there for a while smoldering i'm not stepping on that place no so 
I think it's taken them so long to pack it up and get out of there because they're having to eradicate and destroy all these things they've created. There's no way they can transport them. There's no way that they can take them to the new place safely. So they're having to figure out how do we get rid of these and know for a fact that they are erased. Because otherwise we're going to have another COVID. But it'll just be something from the and who knows? Look, I mean, I can go wild on this. Maybe Bill Gates is involved and maybe they're still working on mosquitoes. Or maybe they're not going to destroy them at all and they're just going to see what happens. There's that too. Maybe they just unleash it and they're like, this will be fun. Let's kick back and watch the show. Yeah, why not? So it's something to be looking out for, looking into. When you see or hear about Plum Island in the news, this is what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. And like I said, a lot of people have never heard of it or they've sort of kind of heard of it or maybe in passing have heard the term Plum Island. Very few people actually know what is going on on Plum Island. Yeah. And so now you at least know the gist of it. That's where we're going to wrap it up today. I mean, it, I guess in the end, what do you think? What is what are your thoughts? What are your final thoughts on this Plum Island thing? I don't think we're ever going to know exactly what happened out there, but I don't think it was just what they say. I think I I think this was a cover that they said, hey, we're working on, you know, animal, you know, cures for animal disease. And that may have been one thing they were doing. But I think with that big of a budget and everything else, I think there was more, way more going on out there. Um, I think there was probably genetic testing. I'm betting there was more diseases than they say they had. And they weren't just making vaccines and cures for animal diseases. They were making vaccine or not vaccines, but viruses and everything else for biological warfare. There's no way that since 1954 to 2023, the only thing they were doing was working on one or two diseases that are fairly irrelevant by today's standards with the budget that they had, that'd be like saying, oh, we have a national transportation department and since 1954, they've been directing their attention and only working on potholes. Yeah. It's impossible with all the people that are involved, the high security, they won't allow any of the, you know, like any of the records out. You're not allowed to see any of it. You've had senators, you've had congressmen you've had mayors you've had governors worried and trying to get to the bottom of it and shut down Mm -hmm. so this idea that they're only you know well we're just working on this foot and mouth thing and and not never mind the lyme disease that obviously didn't come from here and uh, the raccoon that washed up ah, uh, you know we we all in agreement that that was a raccoon and uh, those two dead bodies those people it happens you know and all this time you know, things are going to happen and it's just coincidental. There, It's impossible. Yeah, I yeah. think, like you, they were working on biological weapons using genetic testing from animals. Oh, yeah. Figuring Definitely. out how to use animals as weapons to spread diseases, to travel with diseases, to take them to places that most people can't get to because you could just, uh, you could infect a herd 
and let them run loose or let them get slaughtered and everybody eats it and then off it goes. Yeah. Or like Lyme disease. I mean, if they have, you know, a jar full of ticks fly over, you know, some village and drop it onto the, the, the you know, the cows. You know, dump it out of the plane. There you go. You, and, everybody's got it. And that's the one we know about. We don't even know yeah. all the other crazy stuff that they could be doing. Yeah. I mean, they could be infecting flies. They could be infecting mosquitoes. Yes. They could be inf- infecting anything. Yeah. And just. And how do we know Wuhan really came from China? Uh, I mean, I, I think that actually happened, but who, you know, who else was working on it where? Exactly. I mean, it's one of those things because obviously if we've got it, so somebody else working on it. And I, I would not would not put it past. I mean, China, you know, working on something like that and working on those kind of laboratories. They well, have it. They had the Wuhan. They, they admitted they had the laboratory. But yeah. And we know that uh, Fauci and all, all his crew were working we're in, in conjunction with them on these gain of function. So, again, it's too obvious that something's going on there. They're not telling us and they're having to wrap it up because it was getting too close to home and now they're going to move it and they're going to move it under the auspices of, well, we're just helping the livestock of America. We're just helping the farmers and we're just helping the average citizen stay safe from these diseases that infect animals and so forth. When in fact they're probably doing the opposite. Yeah. So very, very likely. All right. Well, you have the midweek. I do. I do. You know what you're doing? And I doing? think I mentioned it. In, uh, I, I do. Um, I mentioned it when I did the last one because uh, it kept coming up, and it's one that's fascinated me for years, is H.H. Uh, H. Holmes. Oh, yeah. Very nice. Very yeah, nice. H.H. H. Holmes. Um, I, I think it's going to be fun. I, I thought about There's Another one that I've been thinking about is uh, Andre Chicatello, which I don't know if you know about him, but he's a sick, twisted bastard. Um, and I don't know if... <laughs> You love I mean, those guys. He, you love. I do. Those I guys. mean, he he's right up there with the Rippers. Um, you know the Chicago <laughs> Rippers. So I, I I don't know if I want to go there yet. But I figured it's 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 Halloween. It's scary. It's spooky season. So I got to go with a couple of the, you know, that's kind of went with the Jack the Ripper. And then it came up that H H Holmes was one of the people that they you know was accused of being Jack. So it's like, well, might as well you know talk about him a little bit because he's a. I, a lot of people think he was the person who, you know, this, the movie, the Saw movies, that he was the inspiration. So, Well, you can look forward yeah. to that on Wednesday. In the meantime, email us downtherh at protonmail.com. Downtherh at protonmail.com. We will be back next week with a brand new episode. In the meantime, I'm Big D. I'm Brandon. We're out of here. See you later.